right, our junior church folks can be dismissed. And everybody else turn to Luke chapter 12, please. Luke chapter 12. How many are disappointed that Paul Richmond's not doing a special number this morning? Raise your hand, please. Okay. <laughs> All right. They got called into work, I believe, as to what, what, what took place. And, uh, but I did uh, hear him singing in the shower last night, so that's awesome. Um, <laughs> All right. That's kind of an inside Richmond joke there. So. <laughs> All right. All right, uh, Luke chapter 12, please. Luke chapter 12. We've been talking about Jesus and his ministry and working with his disciples. And he's teaching his disciples, and that's the focus that we've tried to look at all the way through the life of Christ here, is like the, the focus on teaching his disciples. And again, today is no different, and today is probably the most important of the things that he is going to teach his disciples. And I, and I will grant you that Prior to this week and prior to this study, I, I didn't, I, I don't know, I, I didn't see this passage as important as, as I do now. And the part we're going to look at today has to do with um, worry and uh, putting their minds at ease in regards to what, is, what the future holds. And he's specifically, again, talking to his disciples, those that are going to be, if you're going to be sold out for God, here's what I want you to know. And... Um, so it's important stuff. He's, he's taught his disciples that there's lost sheep everywhere, and there's plenty of grain to harvest. We're looking for workers. We're looking for uh, sheep to go find lost sheep and bring them to the good shepherd. And he says again, uh, when, he, when he defines discipleship, and he's not, we're not talking about just putting your faith and trust in Christ, but we're talking about being a true disciple. He said you need to deny yourself, and that's the first one, and it's the hardest one. Deny yourself then follow whatever the cost or wherever it leads. It may, you know, deny yourself, it may lead to death. And be willing to die for it. Take up your cross and follow me wherever that may go or wherever that may lead. He talks about the, <clears throat> the nation around him as he comes and he tries to witness to them and tell them that he is the Messiah, he is the Christ. Uh, this evil generation, he says, has no recognition of what truly is important. They do not allow light to come in. And, and again, when we look at some of these things that describes the world in which we live today, um, it's like what, what truly is important, they're missing out on those things. The light and the truth of God's word is like not allowed. It says Satan has blinded their minds and their eyes lest they see the truth of the gospel. Uh, and there's no change of heart. There's no change of mind. He says the Pharisees are supposed to be your spiritual leaders. He says they're false shepherds. They're spiritually blind. They're hirelings. They're only concerned with men's applause. They're actually putting other people's spiritual lives in danger. Uh, they're refusing the Messiah. They're refusing the key to knowledge, and they're just steeped in unbelief. So Jesus says you need to be aware of their teaching. And, and these two things go together. What we looked at last week and we, we're going to look at this week go together. He says beware of their teaching, but don't be afraid of their threats. And, and we looked at the passage that, you know, it, and it sounds almost... I don't know, trite or humorous to say, don't be afraid of those that can kill the body. He said, that's the worst they can do to you. <laughs> or he said, that's, that's all they can do. They can't do anything else. And he says, you need to fear the one who not only can kill the body, but the one who 
takes care of where you spend eternity your, as far as your eternal destiny is concerned. But he talks about it, and again, putting these two things together, beware of their teaching. Don't be afraid of their threat. Don't fear physical death. God is aware of your plight. And when you are taken before magistrates, whether it's Roman or whether it's Sanhedrin, uh, don't worry about what to say in these trials. Uh, I'll give you the words to say. And then he says, beware of having the wrong focus. Beware of paying too much attention to earthly things. Um, and the man comes along and says, you know, hey, Jesus, can you force my brother to do what's right? Can you force him to include me in the inheritance? And Jesus says, life is not about an abundance of things. And he tells the story of the rich man who is a good farmer. He's a good businessman. Uh, he's provided for his family. He's very successful in the eyes of the world. And he says, beware of greed and covetousness, because this man said, I've got so much, I need to tear down my barns and build greater barns, and God calls him a fool. And in the eyes of the world, he's a success, and he's anything but a fool, and in God's eyes, he's a fool because there was no preparation for eternity. He's focusing on the wrong thing, and it literally says he's not rich toward God. And as far as this night, your soul will be required, and there's nothing good that he has to look forward to. There's no inheritance that he has to look forward to. Now, as we start chapter Luke 12, we're going to start in verse number 22. And again, this is a passage that never really bothered me, um, never really convicted me, and I'll, I'll explain why in just a minute, un until this past week. A passage that has never bothered me, never given me cause for consideration, uh, never caused me any guilt, never even paid much attention to it. Uh, because I'm a, I'm a sanguine, okay? It's not a penguin, that's a sanguine, okay? Um, there are, a while back, a gentleman wrote a book about transformed temperaments and talked about four different temperaments, choleric, phlegmatic, melancholy, and sanguine. And I remember years and years ago, Artie, when Artie Pardon was here, he gave us one of these little sheets to fill out and there's different columns, and you filled out what your traits were and so forth. And this is where I learned two different things. Number one, as I looked at my wife's sheet and I looked at mine, they were exactly opposite. Okay? This is where I learned the fact that if, if you're going to get married and the two of you are the same, one of you is unnecessary. Okay? <laughs> All right? All right? You need to be opposite. You know, people go, oh, opposites attract. That is a fact. Okay? That is a fact. Well, mine mostly, mine ended up in the, in the sanguine category. There's good traits and there's bad traits with this sanguine stuff. I've only shared the good ones, all right, not the bad ones, all right? A sanguine is highly talkative, and they all don't apply, by the way. <clears throat> I know what somebody's going to do in a couple seconds here, but that's all right. I already know. Uh, enthusiastic, active, social, forgiving, yeah. uh, friendly humorous. Somebody say, they don't always apply. I, okay, I don't. Okay. All right. Um, storytellers, no, couldn't possibly be. Um, emotional, fun seeker, carefree. We worry about nothing, okay? We worry about it. So this passage is never about, don't be a worrier. <laughs> 
That's the easiest thing on the planet for me because it's like, are you kidding? I, I, it's not part of who I am. It's not part of my nature. I'm not made of, uh, do phlegmatics worry? They surely do because they want to make everybody happy. Do melancholies worry? All the time. They're the worst of the bunch, okay? Cholerics worry because nobody believes them and nobody listens to them, but they want to be in charge, okay? The sanguine, we don't care. We don't care. Uh, worry is not a problem. And, and so I look at this passage and I go, you know, oh, don't be a worrier. I'm like, yep. That's speaking to all of you, because I don't have this problem. Well, I'm going to tell you that um, as I do an honest evaluation of myself, going back about two years, late, late fall 2019, and I, and, I, and I can't remember a particular event, but the state of the world and, and the idea that we were going to elect a new president a year from that particular point, and what took place a year prior to the election and everything that's taken place since, uh, my head and my heart has been full of worry. Now understand the fact that I'm a person who doesn't worry, and if my heart and head is full of worry, some of you people are in really bad shape. Um, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to tell in myself, um, I'm going to let you listen as I talk to myself. I do that a lot, by the way. Um, and you say, do you answer yourself? Yes, I do. Um, uh, and um, I'm going to share with you my worries, okay? And they are mine. I don't want my worries to be your worries. And you can look at them and you can say, well, there's, that's stupid to worry about that. That's fine. Uh, my worries don't have to be real, but they're real to me. So I want to share some things that are burdening my heart and things that cause me worry and concern. And um, the passage starts out in verse number 22, where it says, He says to his disciples, he's saying, Take no thought of your life, what you shall eat, what sh neither for your body what you shall put on, for life is more than meat, the body is more than raiment. And he's going to basically tell why you shouldn't worry. Take no thought means to be overly concerned or put overly too much thought into it. Well, I'm worried, and I'm concerned, and this is, again, just me. I'm talking to myself. You're listening. What worries me is that evil is growing in the world, and there seems to be no stopping it. Evil is growing, and there seems to be no stopping it. The media, whether it's TV, newspapers, Internet, social media, doesn't matter, uh, cannot be trusted. I, I don't believe anything I see, anything I read, uh, unless I like it or I agree with it. Um, uh, evil is good, and good is evil, and this worries me, and this bothers me. Uh, case in point that I just cannot overlook, and again, forgive me if this offends you or bothers you, but this is a statue of George Floyd, the gentleman that was brutally murdered by a police officer, and without condoning any of that, may I suggest to you that uh, this is in Newark, New Jersey, Outside the city hall, it's a 700-pound bronze statue of George Floyd. Okay? George Floyd committed uh, six burglaries, three car thefts, two violent home invasions, threatened a pregnant woman with a gun, three armed robberies. Uh, he beat half to death four different victims, was involved with counterfeit money. He was arrested 23 times since 1998. 
His family, since his death, has received $27 million in reparations from the state, and he's got another $20 million from a GoFundMe page. President Biden and Vice President Harris, on the one-year anniversary of his death, met with his family to share their condolences. And Nancy Pelosi gave the family the American flag that flew over the Capitol on the day that he died. At the same time, we're building statues to George Floyd. We're destroying statues of Christopher Columbus, George Washington, a Texas Ranger, Ponce de Leon, Robert E. Lee, Jeb Stewart, Kit Carson, Thomas Jefferson, Ulysses S. Grant, Francis Scott Key, Theodore Roosevelt, John C. Calhoun, and an elk. Um, <laughs> evil is good, good is evil. This bothers me, this worries me. Because again, it seems like there's no stopping it. People are blind, people are silent. The word in the Bible for someone who doesn't speak or sign it is that they are dumb. <laughs> Morality is declining. Abortion, homosexuality, transgender. Did you know in 2018, 2018, Miss Universe pageant, the entry from Spain was a transgender guy turned into a girl. This coming U.S. Uh, Miss USA pageant, the entry from Nevada is a transgender person. Girls are, or guys are running races as girls against girls. What planet do we live on? What planet do we live on? I used to watch things on TV. I watched some of these shows, uh, some of these cop shows and some other things, and, I, and I'm like, do these people live in the same world that I live in? I hope they're not in my neighborhood. I, don't, I hope they don't live in Michigan. I hope, you know, who are these people and what, what is going on? Morality is declining. Right, wrong. Who's right, who's wrong? I, I'm right, they're wrong. And if you ask them, they're right and I'm wrong. Left, right, right, left, male, female, female, male. I don't know what I am. I can't tell. I had a friend of mine that used to go around telling me, this is like 20 years ago, or 25 years ago maybe, he would go around just joking around, he said, I have three kids, one of each. Well, it's not funny anymore. 25 years ago, that was funny. Now it's like, hey, they probably don't know. It's like, oh, the poor guy, you know, I'm like, oh. Married, single, black, white, I don't know. I, I, I will tell you that COVID doesn't worry me. Uh, I'm in relatively good health, believe it or not, regardless of what you think you see. Um, well, I, I, I go to the doctor's office and I fill out all these forms and I go, nope, 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 medicine you're taking, nope, 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 nope. I'm like, I must be good. Why am I sitting in a doctor's office filling out this form? Um, COVID doesn't worry me. I'm relatively good health, but government and medical handling of COVID does worry me. Mandatory vaccination worries me, uh, telling me that I can't enter a hospital unless I'm vaccinated. I can't go into a doctor's office, I can't go into a store, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I have no problem with vaccination, but that's your choice. 
but allow me to have my choice. I believe, and again, this is part of my worry, and I'm just talking, so you're, you're totally allowed to disagree with everything I think at this point until we get to the Bible stuff, and then you can't disagree. Um, I totally believe if you've had COVID, your body builds up immunities. God has given us this body to build up immunity, so to fight it off if it comes around again. I, I don't think I need anything else. I, I didn't need anything. when If I got the flu, I, I didn't get the flu again. The, your body builds up stuff against it. I, I don't think I need anything else. And I believe the vaccination kills off my immunities because all these people that had the COVID get vaccinated to get it again. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder how that happened. I worry about mandatory vaccination. I, I worry about families being separated. I, in, in this last week or two, here's the stories. And maybe it's already happened in your families. I, I don't even know. Here's the stories. Um, young family, and, uh, and they're fearful of, of the COVID. And they say to grandma, <clears throat> grandma, you can't babysit the kids. You can't watch the kids unless you get a vaccination because, you know, we, we don't want to put them at risk. Or, or we don't want something to happen to you. Or you can't go visit the, your aged parents because you might give them COVID. This is dividing families. This stuff worries me. This stuff bothers me. Um, hospitals bother me. Hospital stays with no visitors bother me. And people keep using words like, oh, the new normal. You know what? I don't like the new normal. I, I don't like a new phone. Some guy in Sam's came to me, and maybe the same thing. He goes, oh, you get with AT&T, we can give you half the price, and you get a brand new phone. Oh, you lost the sale. He goes, what? You don't want a brand new phone? No, I don't understand the one I got. I don't want a new phone. This is ridiculous. I don't want a new phone. And you're like, really? I'm like, really? Look at my age. I don't want a new phone. I don't, I don't, I don't want new normal. I don't want a new phone. I, I'm your pastor, don't ever buy me a new Bible. I don't want a new Bible. I like the one I have. I don't want new normal. I, can I ever trust election results again? Are the good guys ever going to win again? Huh. See, you got the same worries. I'm worried about greater government control of our lives. I'm worried about a stock market crash. Retirement funds, pff, gone. I'm worried about overspending of government. I'm worried about another tragedy and another heartbreak and another loss in regards to one of our young people. Now, I still don't worry about school. I don't worry much about church. Sorry about that. Because <laughs> a lot of these things I feel are kind of in my control. I, I don't worry about those things. Uh, art has given me another thing to worry about. Um, thunderstorm uh, the night of fantasy football drafting. Um, <clears throat> that is now a major concern for me. <laughs> it's all like a runaway railroad car and the bridge is out. And we're all like waiting for 
<laughs> it's like I feel like I know how this ends. And so I worry. I worry, and I don't like to worry. It's not in my nature to worry. And then we look at Luke chapter 12. And I want to remind you that these disciples have families. Whether they're married or not, I, Peter was married. He had a mother-in-law. I think that's how you get those. Um, children, we don't know for sure, but they had moms and dads. They had brothers and sisters. Jesus had a family. Jesus had a mom and sisters and brothers. And he's asking them to do whatever you have to do to promote the kingdom of God and be my disciple and deny yourself to the point where maybe you'll have to die for it. And they're worried about, well, what happens to my family? If, if, if I go all out for Jesus and I, and, I, and, I, and I die, what happens to my family? Who's going to care for them? Who's going to watch out for them? And again, in verse number 22 of chapter 12, it says, Therefore he said unto his disciples, Therefore I said unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body what you shall put on. Life is more than food and meat, and the body is more than raiment. Once you consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them, how much more are you better than the fowls? He says, don't worry. Take no thought. Be anxious or have unnecessary thoughts about food. Food is not life. Food is what keeps me alive, but it is not what life is about. Uh, even the body is more than just clothing. I, it keeps me covered. It keeps me warm. There's a little debate today about, uh, I saw it where somebody was saying, uh, I don't care how warm it gets, uh, I will never complain about the heat. And then somebody else went back and said, oh, I like it when it's minus 40 degrees. And I'm like, okay. Um, clothing, food and clothing. Don't worry about this stuff. Take no thought. Life is more than physical human existence. It's not just survival of the fittest. And here's where we go, here's where we go awry. Here's where we go off the, off the track, so to speak. In Matthew 13 is, is, is the parable of the sower and the seed and the soils. We say sower and the seed, but the most important thing in that passage is the, is the soils, the hearts of men. Uh, and then in Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 4, one of the events, as, as, he, as the sower went forth and he sows, he sows the word of God. He's giving out the seed, and it's falling into the hearts of men. And some come, come into thorny ground, and, and, the root, and, the, and the little things, plants begin to crop up a little bit, and, and they begin to show some promise that something's going to happen and something good is going to take place. But then it says the thorns come up and choke out the plant and keeps it from producing any kind of fruit, keeps it from maturing and producing any kind of fruit. And so it's like, it's like a believer who has taken the Word of God in his heart and really intends to do well, and I have this plan, and, and God is working in their heart and working in their life, and man, and, and, some, and, a, and a, a seed starts to bloom and grow, and, and a plant starts to form, and then all of a sudden, it's strangled and choked out by the thorns. And in Matthew 13, Luke 8 and Mark chapter 4, it says, the thorns are the following, the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, 
and the pleasures of this life. What chokes out the Word of God from producing fruit in your heart and, and having you actually grow to maturity and, 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 and making a difference and making an impact for God is the care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of this life, the lust of other things. Life is not just about how well you provide for your family, it's how well you lead your family spiritually. My parents, when it's said and done, my mom's still living, but when it's all said and done, my parents will leave me no monetary inheritance. I expect absolutely nothing from my, uh, from my mom. Um, my sister, brother, and mom all live together, and a long time ago I said, if there is any inheritance, give it to them. They deserve it. Uh, you'll process that a little bit later. Um, <clears throat> and so I, I expect no monetary inheritance from my parents. And again, my children expect no monetary inheritance from me either. Uh, they would inherit debt is how this works. Um, but life is more than physical existence. Verse number 24, consider the ravens. I have been. We talked about fantasy football. They're a pretty decent team this year. Um, but all these things apply. They neither sow nor reap. They don't have a storehouse or a barn. Um, uh, God feeds them. The ravens are scavenger birds. Uh, they make no plans. They make no preparation. They don't have IRAs. They don't have mutual funds. They also have no brains. They're bird brains, okay? They have no storehouse. They have no barn. And that's a slap at the, at the rich man that he talked about earlier. That He had little barns and tore them down and built bigger barns. Well, I'm, I'm going to guess, by the way, they were bigger barns that tore down and built greater barns, Okay. But a slap at that, he said, they don't even have a barn. But God feeds them. And you are more important. You're better than the birds. It's nice to know. Uh, putting the two passages together, I'm more important than sparrows and more important than ravens. Okay? Um, what good does worrying do? And with that, and, and which of you, verse number 25, taking thought can add to his stature one cubit. Now, it almost sounds like were stature, we're talking about height. You know, somebody can make yourself taller. Uh, no, that is not even what it's talking about. It's actually talking about uh, your stature or your length of your life. He's talking about lengthening your life. You can't even, and, and, and literally it's like you can't even, a cubit is 18 inches. If we were talking about height, and I could add a cubit to my height, I'd be 7'5", okay? Um, I'd be in a retirement home somewhere um, because I'd have all the money I could possibly want from a different career choice. Um, <laughs> Anyways, uh, it, it says you, you can't, basically he says you can't add this much to your life. You worry and concern and fret does not even add this much to the length of your life. I, I do love the one that says, you know, if you eat right and you exercise and, and you eat, have the right vitamins and you take care of your body, the average person will live six months longer. All right, so... So I'm 97, and I get to live six months longer because I ate right. No. <laughs> Not worth it. Not worth it. Just throw that one out. The, throw it out the window. You can't add even this much. So don't worry about the things you have no control over. Verse number 26. If then you're not able to do that thing which is least, why do you worry about all this stuff? Consider the ravens. Then it says in verse 27, consider the lilies, how they grow. They don't even work at it. No effort on their own. 
They spin not, yet they say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now remember, we've talked about this. We've talked about the Queen of Sheba coming and going, ooh, ah, and Solomon in his court, and how Solomon was attired, and, and how, how the servants were, were dressed, and it's like, ooh, they were arrayed in the finest of apparel, and the finest that money could buy, and she says the lilies look better than they do. Cannot even be compared. And the lilies don't even try. They don't even, they don't even make their own outfits. Um, he says, Solomon in all his glory is not arrayed like one of these. And, and, and if God's going to clothe the grass, and he's going to take care of the lilies and the grass, which is today is in the field, and tomorrow it's gone and burned up, how much more will we clothe you, O ye of little faith? Man, he takes care of ravens that are brain dead and make no plans or preparations. He makes lilies so gorgeous and awesomely beautiful, and they don't even try. How much more? O ye of little faith. He cares about us because we are his children. And seek not, verse number 29, seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Your father knows that you need these things. God cares. He's our dad. He's our father. He knows. And let's go back to our prayer study where I'm five, six years old. I told you this before, but at about age five or so, maybe younger, my youngest son, Chad, came to us in the middle of the night, came to my wife's side of the bed. He's a smart little boy. Um, and he came to my wife's side of the bed, and he's crying. And he's five, and he's crying. What's wrong? And he says, I don't want to grow up. I don't think I can provide for my family. And it's like, okay, well, we need to have our financial discussions away from the children next time. Um, <laughs> I don't think I can provide for my family. Oh. If God is my father and I'm five or six years old, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about where the meal is coming from. I don't have to worry about the roof over my head. I don't have to worry about uh, the food or the clothing. But dad, my dad actually, when I, when I was... Uh, 15, I guess, or so, got my first job. I worked 40 hours a week at a dollar and a quarter an hour. Now, some of you can beat that, I know. But I worked 40 hours a week at a buck and a quarter an hour. So at the end, of the, at the end by the time taxes and everything was taken out, I, I basically got a paycheck of $40, okay? And my dad took 35 of it. Uh, he would cash the check, take 35, and he'd put it in my savings account, and he would give me $5. And I'd be like... What's going on? He says, you don't need it. I pay for your food. I pay for your clothes. I pay for the roof over your head. You don't, any, you have any more money than that, you're going to mess it up. You're going to waste it. You're going to squander it. This is all you need because I take care of everything else. He's right. God takes care of everything else. We're the little kid. Let God take care of it. He'll provide for us. And we, you know, he says, I'll worry about this thing. Your father in heaven knows that you have need of these things. Stop worrying, verse 29, stop worrying about physical things. Don't have a double mind, or an a double-minded man is unstable in his all his ways. Don't have a doubtful mind. Focus on eternity, focus on God, focus on faithfulness. A doubtful mind is a troubled mind, it's continual worry. Don't have that. And then in verse 30, he even applies the fact that the world is allowed to worry, you're not. The world can worry. Because it doesn't have God. Now, I think the world's so stupid they don't even know they're supposed to worry. 
But the fact of the matter is, he says in verse number three, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. That's what other people worry about. That's not what my children worry about. If there is no God, then the number one priority in life is to eat and drink and what I put on. But if there is a God, I need to seek Him. I hate, by the way, the expression, don't worry, be happy, okay? That just, uh, that, that just tells me you're clueless. Don't worry, seek God, is what we're told in verse number 31. But rather, stop worrying, stop being of doubtful mind, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. He's talking to his disciples. He says, I want you to go all out for me. You might have to face trial in front of the Sanhedrin or the, or the Romans. You might have to face death. It might cause you, well, what about my family? And what about this? And what about that? He said, I'll take care of all of that. I'll meet all those needs. You seek first the kingdom of God. Rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. You seek God and eternal treasures. God's going to take care of the earthly physical stuff. He'll take care of your families. He says in verse 32, God has bigger plans for fear not, little flock. And even then, he not only does he say he's our father, he, we're back to the shepherd theme. He's our shepherd, he's our good shepherd. Fear not, little flock, for it is the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I've got much better things for you. And think of it even from God's perspective, which we cannot possibly imagine. But from God's perspective, he says, man, the things I have ready for you and prepared for you, and you're worried about this little thing down here. <laughs> it's the little kid that's two and a half, and he gets a helium balloon for Christmas, or for his birthday, and says, this is the best day ever. <laughs> and the parents go like, I sure hope not. I hope you have better days than this. It's nice that you feel that way. Or worried about this and, oh, the end of the world, my truck, the wheel fell off my little truck. No, no, that was Mitch the other day, but uh, it, was a big, it was his big truck. But, uh, but the wheel fell off my little truck. It's the end of the world. And it's like, oh. So small, so puny things that we're worried about because it's big to us. It's big to us at the time. And God just says, man, I have so many, I have so much more for you. <laughs> he said, I've given you the kingdom. I have the kingdom waiting for you. The Bible says we're going to rule and reign with Christ. I've given you this eternal kingdom. I want you to be a part of my kingdom. I want you to be with me forever. And we're worried about this stuff. Don't worry, seek God. Then he goes, don't worry. He says, give your stuff away. You remember the rich guy that came to Jesus and he said, what, you just lack one thing, give all your stuff away and then come follow me? And it says he went away sorrowful because he had many possessions. Look what Jesus says to his disciples here. He says, give the stuff away. 33, sell what you have and give alms. Uh, sell your earthly possessions and give it to benefit other people. This will show your commitment. There's, we're burning bridges. We're not going back. Sell what you have. Give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old. Now, he says, start saving stuff that matters. He said, I want you to get yourself a good bag. 
Get yourself a good bag. I don't know if it's an Ikea bag or one, something like that, I guess. Get yourself a good bag. Sell what you have. Give alms. Give your stuff away. Then provide for yourselves bags which do not get old or do not wax old. And we're going to get a treasure in the heavens that fails not. We're going to start collecting treasures that do not fail. They will last. No thief can steal it. It can't be stolen. And moth cannot corrupt it. It, it, it won't lose any value. We're going to start collecting things in this heavenly bag. <coughs> Excuse me. That's terrible. That will last. We're going to start collecting things that will last. We'll start collecting things that can't be stolen. We'll start collecting things that won't lose value. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is in heaven, then you're focusing on eternity. And all of this was having the right focus. Do not focus on this world. And, and that's where are all my worries coming from? Everything I listed earlier. Oh, I'm worried about where I'm going to spend eternity. That was not one of my worries. All my worries were down here. All my worries were earthly worries, temporary worries, temporary concerns, things that are going to interfere with my comfortable life. And Jesus is basically asking his disciples to walk away from that and focus somewhere else. Focus on me, focus on eternity, focus on eternal rewards. Let's start, let's start gathering stuff together that lasts. Let's start taking things that can't be stolen. Let's start taking things that won't lose their value. If you're focusing on eternity, your heart and mind will not be filled with worry. Because the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Don't worry. Trust God's care. Seek to make the most of your opportunities to gain eternal reward. Don't focus or cling to the things of this earth. What you give yourself to is what is truly of value. And that is your treasure. If it is this world, then the treasure is in this world. But if it's God and eternity, and you have treasure that will last, can't be stolen, won't lose its value. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We live in a time of great worry and great concern. Lord, help us to realize we're focusing on the wrong thing. Every single day we live, we should see as an opportunity to win more people to the Lord Jesus Christ. We should see as an opportunity to give the right opinion of you to others. No matter what the circumstance, no matter what the situation, it is not about what we collect here on earth. It's not even about the food we eat or the clothes we wear. May you, Lord, help us to focus on the right stuff. And if we focus on the right stuff, then the worry will stop. Father, help us to take this to heart. 
Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name.